You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 117. Today's reading is from Acts 15, verses 5 through 12. In those days, some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, It is necessary to circumcise them and to charge them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter, and after there had been much debate, Peter rose and said to them, Brethren, you know that in the early days God made choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God who knows the heart bore witness to them, giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, but cleansed their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why do you make trial of God by putting a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we shall be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. And all the assembly kept silence, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them, among the Gentiles. So we begin with this debate in today's reading of the Old Testament law during the infancy of the church, and particularly the issue of circumcision. Father, would you discuss this issue on both sides and and then ultimately why the apostles came to their conclusion? Yeah, uh, but before we do that, I want to look at the bigger picture, which you perhaps unknowingly highlighted in your question. (laughs) And what would that be? Well, you mentioned that the debate here in Acts 15 and the early church centered around the Old Testament. And why do you want to stress that, Father? Well, I believe it's important for us to understand the importance of the Old Testament, or what is also referred to as the Hebrew Bible, because there was a tendency early on in Christianity, also a tendency among many Christians today, to minimize or dismiss the Old Testament, or perhaps worse, to somehow pit it against the New Testament, to say things like, there must be a different God behind the New Testament than was behind the Old Testament, and that's just not true or accurate. Yeah, I can probably come up with my own assumptions about why those views are problematic, Father, but I'd, I'd like to hear why you think that and, and why you've brought up this topic here at the beginning of this episode. Okay, so there are many different things we could highlight that are problematic with this view of minimizing, dismissing, or just pitting the Old Testament against the New, but I'll highlight a couple. So first of all, the New Testament is based on the Old Testament, and in fact, without the Old Testament, the New Testament simply falls apart. It makes virtually no sense at all, and I'll, I'll come back to that in a few minutes. But the other thing that I want to highlight is that in rejecting the Old Testament, we are rejecting what I would argue, together with the New Testament, as I'll discuss in a minute, is the most important document to almost everything we hold dear as part of the values of Western civilization. Yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely a, a bold claim, so <laughs> let's hear more about this. And I, I've talked to some of my friends and, and fellow priests about this in the past, but more recently uh, there's a British academic, Tom Holland, who's been speaking about the Judeo-Christian Bible, our scriptures, as a document that reshaped Western civilization. He wrote a book about this called Dominion, and it's important to note that Holland was an atheist, or at least agnostic, and to my knowledge, he still considers himself to be agnostic. And why do you highlight that? Why is that important? 
I think it's important because I want to be sure that our audience understands that Tom Holland isn't some sort of fanatical Christian who tries to force his pre-existing faith onto everything that he does academically. This can happen to any of us, to, to force a pre-existing belief onto something that we're trying to do academically. But with Holland, who is a well-respected academic historian, he specializes in the time of the ancient Greeks, talks a lot about the Roman and Persian empires. It was, in his case, that his honest, objective study of history led him to this conclusion, a conclusion that I agree with. Again, I believe not because of my pre-existing faith, but because I recognize the way that the Judeo-Christian scriptures influenced Western civilization. Okay, so what are those uh, primary influences? I think the primary influence is best seen through the crucifixion of Jesus. In the crucifixion of Jesus, you have a complete upheaval of the Roman mindset, of the mindset really of, of any civilization we've ever known or studied, because in the crucifixion and then the subsequent recognition of this crucified one as the Messiah, as the one to be worshipped, as the perfect example and reflection of God, in that you see the notion that God is with the weak and needy, the downtrodden, the cursed, and the outcast. But this idea did not begin with Jesus. You see, Jesus was just the culmination of this theme that began in the Old Testament. And we could cite dozens of examples from Genesis, but they would take more time to explain about how God sides with the weak. Just look at how God is always choosing the younger over the older, for example. Uh, you have the Hebrews who were slaves in Egypt, moving on beyond uh, Genesis, of course, who God chooses and leads to his promised land. You have explicit laws in the Mosaic law about judging fairly the poor and the foreigner, about taking care of the weak. And this, to a large degree, certainly not to this extent, was not found in other cultures and other religions of the time. Now, in the case of Holland, prior to his deeper study, he was under the impression that many of our core values that we have in Western civilization, even if we don't always live up to them, uh, you know, but these values like taking care of the poor and the needy, of children who naturally are weak and dependent upon us, people that are handicapped or mentally ill, he thought that these came from the earlier Greek tradition from the time of the Republic. But what he found is that this was actually unique to the Judeo Christian scriptures, and therefore I believe we're making a big mistake by minimizing or dismissing the Old Testament. And now the final thing I'll say about that today is that I understand how to most people on the surface, it can appear that the Old Testament is harsh and violent and so forth, and obviously to a, a degree it is, but I think once a person becomes well-educated in the Old Testament and understands this, the context on which it's based and really understands what the Old Testament is doing through all of that, then I believe there will be a much greater appreciation for it. Because like the New Testament, like Jesus, as with the cross, the Old Testament was extremely radical in what most of us would consider to be a positive way. I appreciate that insight, Father, and hearing about Tom Holland and his, his studies and his assessment as someone who, as you said, is not a person of faith, and about how our scriptures positively impacted Western civilization. So now if we could move forward here, I'd like to return to what you mentioned earlier, and you said that you'd like to get back to, uh, specifically, what more do you want to say about the New Testament not making sense without the Old Testament. Yeah, thanks for uh, redirecting us back to that, Jason. Uh, the bigger point on that issue that I want to make gets us back to Acts 15 and the Council of Jerusalem. You read about it at the beginning of this episode. And this point that is that the New Testament, in my words, 
is essentially no more and no less, at least for the Christian, than the final authoritative, exclusive interpretation of the Old Testament. So help us unpack that, Father, uh, the idea that the New Testament is the final and authoritative interpretation of the Old Testament. Okay, so you, you see it here in Acts 15, as you highlighted, the argument among the apostles was, what does the Old Testament say, and what does it mean? How do we understand it? How do we interpret it? If you look at Jesus and his teachings, they all centered around how to understand and put into practice the teachings of the Old Testament. Paul, look at Paul in, in Romans and Galatians most specifically. What's he doing? He's arguing from the Old Testament about how to understand it, how to interpret it, how to put it into practice. And the only thing new, so to speak, in the New Testament is that the Messiah has now come and he was crucified. And as the prophets prophesied, he had come to restore not only the people of Israel, but also all the nations. And so having now seen this happen, the apostles and Paul, to whom it was revealed later, have a better understanding and appreciation of what the Old Testament meant. But we must note that they never, ever rejected the Old Testament. Their intent and purpose was always to continue living according to it, just with the understanding that the Messiah had come and that now they better understood that text. And so this is why Paul refers to what we now call the Christian community, the Jews and the Gentiles together who put their trust in the Messiah Jesus. Paul refers to them as the Israel of God. There was never an intent with Paul to start a new religion. He was living out his scriptural Old Testament religion. And so every argument that he makes ultimately has a scriptural basis. And then just to conclude this part, it's why here in Acts 15, the disciples are arguing from Scripture, from the Old Testament. And so why, or maybe um, I should say, how do the apostles come to their conclusion then in Acts 15? How do they come to that conclusion through Scripture? I think that Acts 15 itself highlights that. They see with their own eyes that God has treated the Gentiles the same as them, that God loves and cares for the Gentiles just as he loves and cares for them, the Jews. And then they realize that this is actually scriptural. It always had been, even if, if they, like Paul, had been blinded and hadn't seen it. It took the scales falling from their eyes to use uh, the illusion that Paul uses. So, but they recognized, as I said earlier, that the prophet spoke of the Messiah, not only restoring them, not only restoring the Jews, but also all the nations, and ultimately bringing them together as one community, as was especially highlighted, uh, for example, by the prophet Ezekiel. And then finally, as it relates to circumcision, which was discussed there in Acts 15, we get an idea of their reasoning from Paul's arguments from Scripture that are found, again, primarily in Romans and Galatians, specifically that Abraham was accounted righteous by God before the Mosaic Law, so before circumcision, which thus means that being accounted righteous comes outside the law, outside being circumcised. And as Paul highlighted, that Abraham was accounted righteous because he put his trust in God's word, and that ultimately was something that the Gentiles could do as well without being circumcised. Thanks for that insight, Father. One last question from me. Uh, the council in Jerusalem, of which we heard just the, the beginnings of in today's reading, provided a blueprint for future councils to settle controversies. So what should we take away from this council we read about today in Acts and, and any implications that it had for the future of the church? Yeah, I suppose we could go on a long detour on this point, but we're running out of time, and, 
And besides that, I prefer to stay focused on this podcast on understanding and, and applying Scripture. So I don't want to get into similarities and differences between, say, the Council of Jerusalem and the Ecumenical Councils. But suffice it to say, I, I think this council, as recorded in Acts 15, sets the tone for us uh, to understand the church body as conciliar in nature. And by that, we mean that there is no one person, no one authority on this earth, save the scriptural God as represented by his teaching in Holy Scripture uh, that is discerned by us in community and fellowship together. Thank you, Father. In today's episode, we began by discussing the debate that centered around the Old Testament and the early church. Father Aaron began by pointing to the tendency for both early Christians and to many of us today to minimize the Old Testament or to even set it against the New Testament. But as Father explained, without the Old Testament, the New Testament completely falls apart. He then went on to explain how the Bible reshaped Western civilization, the primary influence being that of Christ's crucifixion, in which we see the Roman mindset turned upside down with a recognition of Jesus as the Messiah. And while we see the notion that God is with the weak and needy, the downtrodden, the cursed and the outcast, this idea did not begin with Jesus. Rather, Jesus was the culmination of this theme that was scattered throughout the Old Testament. We then shifted back to the Council of Jerusalem and the notion that the New Testament is the final and authoritative interpretation of the Old Testament. In Acts 15, the apostles were debating what the Old Testament both said and intended. This was at the center of Jesus' teachings, how to understand and put into practice the teachings of the Old Testament. And so they never rejected the Old Testament, as their purpose was always to continue living according to it, but now with the understanding that the Messiah had come. Through this understanding, the apostles saw how God treated both Jews and Gentiles alike. Finally, the debate on circumcision perhaps can be best understood from Paul's arguments in Romans and Galatians, namely that Abraham was accounted righteous by God before the Mosaic law was given, and thus righteousness comes outside of the law. This righteousness was accounted to Abraham not through circumcision, but because he put his trust in God's word. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, glory to thee, O God. Alleluia, 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 glory to thee, O God. Oh.